This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, sponsored by Soundring. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is brought to you by Audible, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audiblepodcast.com forward slash bcpod. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, idiots? This is Matt here. Hope you guys had a great holiday like I did. Thank for everybody that buying that uh, uh, Emory Christmas sweater we put out. That thing's fun. We sold all, I think we sold all of them. There may be a few left. That's a hint. There might just be a couple of them left. It might still be up. But there was only 150 of them. You can go check it out if you want to at our, our at our store. Okay, great episode today. We finally tracked down Aaron Weiss. He is on the episode. He shows up, gives a killer interview, and... I know you guys like him. We like him, too. He's great. So stay tuned for that. It comes later in the episode. Before that, we're just going to goof off, joke around, waste everybody's time as usual. Okay. I am uh, I'm packing up my family, and we're headed to South Carolina. We're getting on an airplane tomorrow. I'm going to Charleston. Got a direct flight. I'm going to hang out with Toby and Joey, and we're going to track podcasts live in the same room. We'll take some video, hopefully, maybe some pictures. Uh, maybe I'll start doing that more often. We're going to get in the same room and record a bunch of episodes, I think, for you guys soon. So uh, send us some stuff you want to talk about. Tell us what you've been enjoying lately, that kind of thing. I've been enjoying it. I love what we're doing. I'm more and more excited about it all the time. And I said this earlier. I didn't mean it to. I said this on Twitter. I didn't mean it to denigrate what I do on this podcast. But the newest episode I did of Break It Down, I really like. I was. I talked to four different people about radical Islam, terrorism, uh, Syria, and refugees. And I really learned a lot. It was really interesting. And I say the word really when I really want you to do something. And that is go listen to that episode yourself. See if you like it too. It's a little different than my normal format, but it was was fun. So listen to Joey's show, listen to Pastor with No Answers, and check out Break It Down. In the meantime, enjoy this crap. Three, two, one, hit it, Joey. It's the most wonderful time of the ding dong ding with those scary ghost stories and tales of the glories. It's the Fear Christian Podcast. You do a lot of hand motions and dancing. I got to, man. I got to. Hey, hey, I got to call you oh out boy. on something. You accuse me of <laughs> this is all part of the Here plan. You. Now you you call me out on youth pastor upon voice, the water and you did the youth pastor voice in another episode. And nobody called you out on it. All right, so what's I got a youth game pastor for you voice that he did. Yo, you were like, oh, what's up, man? And you, that was youth pastor voice. Think, Toby Morrell can I do don't it. Remember that? Joey Svensson can't. All right, so game. Why did it take you weeks to to call him out on it instead of just in the moment, though, my friend? That's the difference. Because I didn't think about it then. I didn't think about it. <laughs> All right, so this is a game. And I want to see who wins. It's called Joel Osteen or a fortune cookie. I'm going to simply read a comment and you have to decide whether it's from a fortune cookie or Joel Osteen. Okay. Got it? Okay. All right. The first one is you're not responsible for other people's happiness. You're responsible for your own happiness. Toby, Osteen. fortune cookie or Osteen? Fortune cookie. And what'd you say? I said Osteen. Matt? It is Osteen. Next one. Take time to make a difference. Think about how you can make someone else's life better. Osteen. Osteen. Osteen is correct. 
Avoid focusing on the negative aspects of the past. Osteen. Fortune cookie. It is fortune cookie. Yeah. Three to two. Good job, guys. They sound very similar, though. Sound very similar. Okay. Last one. You can just as easily talk yourself out of your dream as you can talk yourself into it. I don't I want to say fortune cookie, but I think it's Osteen. Matt? I'm going to go Osteen. It is Joe Osteen. <laughs> That game is actually online. You can actually play a game. <laughs> you didn't game. come up with that game? <laughs> no, it's online. <laughs> it's the newest game in town. There's actually an app for it. No, I don't think there's an app for it. Well, that, I think that's pretty awesome. It's really funny. I actually was looking up Joel Osteen quotes as well, and this yep. one was a – it was his Joel Osteen's deletes his best unintentionally awesome tweet ever, and some guy was writing him something bad <laughs> from some thirsty rando wrote him – uh said, can I go to hell for helping a friend rub it out? And Joel Osteen wrote him back and said, (laughs) (laughs) this is real? Yeah, this is awesome. A true friend doesn't rub it in when you make a mistake. They rub it out. (laughs) 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 And almost immediately it was deleted. (laughs) I think he just didn't understand it. Yeah, he just didn't understand understand it. it. Anyway, I thought that was pretty funny for sure. Well, in case you guys don't know, I'm still sick. It's because we're recording this podcast exactly after the last one. Where I was you sick. do two a week. It's okay to do two at a time. It's I like know. Tell, you know how many they tape Jeopardy? They probably do six episodes in a row. Oh, Alex Trebek is a machine. Oh, Have you ever seen is. that guy? My God. He is. Do y'all remember that game show Tic-Tac-Toe with uh, Wink? His, his first Tic-tac-toe. name was Wink. No, seriously. There's a game show called Tic-Tac-Toe. No, it was called Tic-Tac-Toe. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Yeah, it Are you was. serious? Yeah, it was called Tic Tac. Oh my gosh! I, as a youngster, I never picked up on that, <laughs> or even yeah. now as an adult. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think his name was like Wink Martindale. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like Wink that. Martindale. Yeah, Wink Martindale was a big host. You yeah. don't really believe it was called Tic Tac Doe right now, do you? Are you looking it up? I mean, uh, you actually. I'm, I'm actually looking up pictures of Wink Martindale because that's such a blast from the past. Tic Tac Doe. Yeah. Wow. I. You know what's funny is I used to watch game shows, unbelievable, and uh, do they even exist anymore? Yeah, yeah I, I, well, Wheel of Fortune. You got Jeopardy. the millionaire and the the. Does that still exist? No, but what about? It used to be in the morning though, before soap operas. Like when I was out for the summer, oh, there'd totally. be a million game shows, and now there are not any. Like yeah. they just got totally obliterated Scrabble. by talk shows. Do you remember? Um, what was the one? The, whammy, uh, whammy. Yeah, that was called Pressure Luck. Used to be the dating yeah, game or the yeah. newlyweds. There would be all classic kinds of concentration. Shows. Yeah, uh, card chart. Price is Right is definitely still kicking big time. Yeah, there was the other show. Yeah, because Price is Right was was the yeah. You're it's exactly 11 right. to 12. It's, it's still making it. But it was it was like one of the biggest ones, obviously. But there was a bunch of other game shows that was always... It was always yeah. game shows. Yeah. There were always game shows. And there was a bunch... I, I still like... Uh, now, there's the Game Show Network, and I don't have cable anymore, but I used to love the game Lingo. Did you ever watch that one? Oh. That was fun, yep. boy. I love that one. So, anyway, Matt, I am, Matt, could I am you, sick. Matt, could you kick ass on Jeopardy? Yeah, I'm really good at Jeopardy. Why? I'm especially good at Jeopardy. Like, I mean, I do general knowledge and trivia pretty well in general, but Jeopardy is what I uh, grew up on. I grew up doing it, and I have a trick on Jeopardy, and for some reason I'm able to, uh, I guess this is probably everybody's strategy, but when you're playing Jeopardy, you just want to beat the people in the room. On the buzzers, you have to buzz, and it waits till they finish the question, and then it lets the first person who buzzed the earliest yeah. make the answer. But in, in, if you're playing with people in the room, you just have to blurt out the answer fastest. So the best way to do that is to listen to the question, but read, ba- read the question backwards is the way to get 
to be able to blurt the answer out faster than people. So you look for, you know, words that stick out at the end of the question while you're letting Alex inform you with the beginning of the question there. And then you usually will have a leg up on the other people in the room if you happen to know the answer. Because it's all about the blurt. Right. Nice. So yeah, I'm pretty good at Jeopardy. I never get final Jeopardy right, though. Old people love Jeopardy. It's really funny watching Jeopardy with Jess's mom because if I get one right or a few in a row, she gets mad. She gets mad? She's like, she, yeah. <laughs> She's cool, though. Carolyn's cool. Why does she get mad? Because she wants She's to get She's a competitive them. old lady. Uh, She's okay. very competitive with, with Jeopardy and Scrabble. Wow. She's a Scrabble monster. and She loves playing Scrabble. I do, too, actually. She got me into it. I never played Scrabble before, and my wife's mother got me like where I think Scrabble's really fun. You guys play Euchre yet? Let's move on from the subject. That game yeah, are awesome. we trying to get somewhere? I know. It's killing me. Good God. Y'all heard of Elvis Presley? So, so far, we're, what are Wink we, 10 Martindale? minutes in? And we, you did an intro beatbox. Then you said uh, Toby talked like a youth pastor. And now you've been naming game shows for five minutes. No, you forgot. What we remember? played an exciting game, Oh, Matthew. I'm sorry. We played a game. Exactly. It was thrilling. I forgot. Exactly. Never mind. Let's keep on this trail. <laughs> you got it. You know, my favorite game show was actually Classic Concentration. <laughs> also hosted by Trebek. <laughs> Hey, Let's take um, some time there. I am going to share something that we used to talk about all the time with X3 Watch, but Toby and I have a friend, and I don't know whether or not he would want us to talk about this, so I won't name him, but basically he texted us and said, hey. His name's Matt. <laughs> basically <laughs> said, hey, I'm having a you know, hard time, um, looked at something that I shouldn't have online and that sort of thing, which kind of clued me into... Crap, I, I've been a little bit careless with my eyes, you know, just in public and that sort of thing. And so I, I obviously responded with that response. And then I said, what I need to do, guys, and I've done this before, is anytime I'm struggling with second looks or something, when I take a second look or have a bad thought or something like that, I'm going to immediately text you guys for accountability. Now, for me, that works like a daggum charm. And it's not because I'm embarrassed to send those texts. It's almost just like a reminder. Eh, I don't want to have to send a text. Like, it's just something, you know, it just keeps me kind of grounded, which led me to think, why did it take that? Like, why did it take human accountability plus some sort of ritualistic, I'm going to send a text message every time I take a look? Why isn't me just doing it for God enough? And then that leads me to be like, I think it's because when I think of God, I think of he knows everything, past, present, future. He knows when I'm going to mess up. He he loves me. He died in my place. And there just seems to be like, I right now I'm lacking that, oh, I want to do it because Jesus loves me and he's done so much for me. I think if anything, I'm motivated not to sin because I know it's bad for me. But it's not out of like this, oh, I just love God so much. I can't do this to him and maybe deep down inside i think he only cares because he knows that if i do these things it will hurt me i don't know if it's really like man that, that's really disappointing well surely that's better than guilt i mean given the two choices you don't think that jesus actually says man i've done so much for you like how could you do this like they, there's no, been christian songs sung about 
I miss my time with you. Those moments together. And it's actually Jesus basically singing a song. I miss my time with you. Those moments together. Like basically saying, please spend time with me. I just don't see Jesus in that light. I see Jesus as, yeah, these knuckleheads are going to mess up. Uh, hopefully, you know, they yield to my spirit enough to get a little bit better. And it's because I love them so much. I don't want them to screw their lives up, but it's not like, Oh, I'm so disappointed. I've done so much for them. Why can't they just turn things around? Well, it's interesting. Like on one hand, I would say, yeah, because uh, shame and guilt and beating yourself up is not, that's just, that is not biblical either. Now there is guilt in the technical sense for sure. But then when it goes into shame, that's uh, not what I don't think God would have for us. I don't think it's, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, but when you go to the side of saying like, ah, those little guys, I hope those rascals get it right. It's no good for them. Or just like my little kids, I hope they, you know, I feel bad for them if they, I don't want them to get hurt or hit by a car or whatever. That's kind of easy to say, but I don't know how far you would take it. If you say that about looking at porn or something like that, maybe you could say it that way. Like they're not, you know, Jesus isn't just devastated by that and hurt or whatever. He's just looking out for you. But would, I mean, would you take that so far as real atrocities committed though by 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 believers or non? The, the, I mean, if it's rape, if it's genocide, if it's those things, it's like, yep, <laughs> yep, a little buddy, he's got it wrong today. I hope for his own sake he figures that out and quits that raping. You know? Yeah, I think so. I mean. <laughs> 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 no, I don't. Do you know what but, I mean? Like, it's easy I, to forget, I, forgive, look at second looks. Right. Yep. You know, like I, I think I kid. do have a a broader thought about God, though, and sin that maybe most, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, and maybe this isn't even healthy in my brain. But I fully believe our sin. We see it as it affecting us, so it's worse. Like you know, it, if Joey looks at porn a ton. Or cheats on his wife, that hurts our church, that hurts me, hurts uh, you know our wives and their friendship, and has to you know all this stuff, all these different things uh, come into play and matter. And so I think we always look at it that way. I think God doesn't necessarily always look at our. We say we sinned against God, which we do, but I don't know if it. And people really do. God grieves, and you should grieve over your sin. I've heard that a lot, um, especially even back in the Marshall days, and and. I thought, man, maybe that's true, man. Just grieving and, it's, and all this stuff. But in the whole scheme of things, like seriously, if think about it this way, God, if He is outside of this uh, finite life, if He's infinite, then this life doesn't mean anything. When you when you die of terrible cancer one day, God goes, yeah, that, that was kind of sucky. Sin entered the world, and it, but I mean, here you are now. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like He sees the whole big picture. So. To me, I don't know if he's that devastated at a lot of things. Now, for sure, when you hurt a child or a female or another person uh, and you do something terrible, yeah, we should be grieved about those things no matter what. But I do think there's certain things that maybe don't require as much grieving or you don't know how to. So instead of trying to find grieving, do what you did. Like, I think that's really good. Like, hey, I'm, I don't know if I am going to grieve this or be super miserable right now. I hope to be. Lord, help my heart break for this so I can be better because God wants the best for us. But I think when you can't, you go, I'm going to take other ways to get around this so that I don't do this because I yeah. know it's not healthy. It's not good. It's not well, you brought affirming. Up, you brought up for, an interesting point with God existing out of time. I, I've thought before that I don't think that it's possible for God to experience emotions how we experience them. Think about it. When Toby gets angry, he doesn't think, I'm about to get angry. Okay, right now I'm really angry. Or you don't get sad after saying, man, I think I'm going to be sad in five minutes. 
how can God just all of a sudden get mad at something that he knew was going to happen? Nothing takes him by surprise and then just makes God unbalanced. Now, I do think the Bible appears to depict a God like that, but it's because we're we're limited with how we can describe God, but there's no way that God experiences emotions how we experience them. No, it can't. Know. It can't, or it would be crazy. It would be, a, it, it, I think it would be, He would. we wouldn't be here. So what does if it If God like experienced for- anger or... Uh, vengeance the way I do, then you would be gone. Everybody would be gone. You know what I mean? Like it would be terrible. That's so be you cheat ungodly. On, so you cheat on Jessica. Had has God? Uh, let me make sure everybody heard me right. If you cheat on Jessica, has God been grieving that all throughout well, eternity? That, that's what I wonder because also it's, it, that would be seriously. He sees one billion people right. cheating. It would he really sees one billion people be. doing terrible stuff, stealing, hurting, murdering, rape, all this. He sees all of that. So I think he sees it as a disease that's infected humanity. I think, it's, and it it hurts everybody, and it's it's miserable when that disease affects others. It's even worse. Like yeah. it's it's bad enough to but be, it's profa- but it's right. more profound than it is. Oh, my my little two year old making a little mistake. God oh yeah yeah yeah, so for cute. sure. It's but not, it can't be that. No, but I, I, if but if, it's also not the same way as as uh you know a drunk driver kills Georgia tonight, and your anger that you feel for that guy, God also is devastated at that guy. His, his his heart might be upset for him and see that and be like, oh man, this is sickness. He's got it's the same way as I feel like I look at cancer. Mm-hmm. Like I look at cancer as, oh man, it's just eating somebody away. They didn't they didn't even know if they could have known or could fix it or anything. That, that, that almost helpless to it, right? You're helpless almost to cancer. You're helpless almost to sin in a way. That's why you need a savior. So I think, man, I get your point. You're right. We are affected for sure, very strongly by some sins others than more than others. I think God sees it and is affected, but obviously if you went and killed 100 people, that's going to show up on the radar more than, than looking at porn. But I would say, I don't know how, if I can explain what God's thinking in terms of that I think. Well, I like your global point of view that he sees the whole thing as a, something to grieve and it's heinous and it's bad and it's tragic. And and if, if anybody could, could experience all of the suffering in the world just for an instant that's happening at this moment, I think you lose your mind, oh, go totally. crazy, throw up, oh, never God. recover. And so he sees not only that but everything. However, I would say the, you know, the youth pastor and uh, priests that are, have molested children um, it goes in the bucket in the very same way that Joey's second look does, though. Like one's not in, like more innocent than the other. It's just sure. No, I agree know, like totally. It, it, I would say that it, you know the attitude of understanding what it is and to grieve it is is kind of it's more important in my opinion to put that second look thing in the genocide boat than it is to say, well, that's not as bad. No, I'm not saying it's as bad. I just think God looks at it all the same. I'm, no, I'm saying it, it, I'm just saying I, I think it's better to put it in the just as bad category. I think that's the better way to look at it. I'm saying I think they're all the same. And a big deal. Not They're all the same. Not a big deal, though, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're not a big deal. I think it is a big deal. It, it, he had, God sent his only son to save the world. So I think it is a big deal. Don't get me wrong there. But... I'm just saying the way God views it, I think it's a limited view to say he's just devastated at this moment over certain Temporally, things. Temporally, yeah, or because and, yeah. and and one of the reasons why that is, is just think about this. Five houses down, there's a guy that's addicted to porn from you, Matt. Uh, how about ten houses down, there is seriously a uh, abusive spouse. Down from there is somebody that's thinking about committing suicide. How much do you care? The only time we care is when we hear about something and then we 
we get uh, judgmental and offended and hurt and sentimental and emotional and sad about it is when you actually hear about something. Well, God hears that completely. He's heard it from yep. the dawn of time to the end. He does know every single thing. Uh, it, 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 if the, we're to say what we believe that, you know, God's omnipotent. So my point would be there is no way that he views sin as I, th- I don't I don't know if does he get so much more mad at somebody like Hitler than he does at just a guy that only killed 30 people. No, you know I what I mean? Not. Like, yeah, b- I both saying are just, it's all, it's all, but I'm right. saying you're more like Hitler than he, than, than right. Not. So, so well, That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I guess I might even agree with you, but I would say God, instead of being mad or super sad or grieved or whatever, I think he's probably just like his feeling is, man, dude's got cancer. God, he probably like, feels the same way about brother Adolf. Then you would say maybe so. Maybe so. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I agree. I think that's what he thinks. I think on a certain level, God goes, man, Adolf, gosh, I made you. You, you, I mean, you, you're an image bearer, and you're like, and you did this. This is what you did with all the gifts I gave you, and all that. Man, how did it? How did did you get there, dude? I mean, obviously he knows how he got there, but I'm just saying, like, in a conversational way. Yeah, I dig that. I think it's. I think he's like, golly. And then I think he goes to Toby and says the exact same question, Toby. You could have done all this, and this is what you chose. I mean, it, don't you see it's so sick and it's just infested inside of you? And it, so that's what I think for sure. Well, what what is what does one Kings fourteen nine mean when it says you have done more evil than all who lived before you? Just quantitatively, this dude is not any worse than anybody else. I don't know. Say that again. You have done more evil than all who lived before you. You have done evil than all who live before you. More evil than all who live before you. Joey's saying God says somebody did more evil than another person. Sounds like it. What do you do with that? Sounds like it. I'm just curious. I don't think there's any. And I think that could fall in the same category of how when we start to describe God in human terms, it just starts falling apart. Because when when God said, I regret making mankind, if we take that at face value, then we also have to say that God did not know what was going to happen. What was that that scripture again? And who was he talking to? Uh, I don't know. I just Googled, uh, God's anger f- being more or something like that. And it came up first Kings 14, nine, you have done more evil than all who lived before you. Yeah. You have made for yourself other gods, idols made of metal. You have aroused my anger, which sounds like all of a sudden God just got pissed, which I don't sounds believe like it. Yeah. and turned your back on me. So yeah, all this, I mean, We've had this discussion before, and I think we all agree more than we disagree. But ain't not none of it makes any daggum sense if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, the can uh, I ask a <laughs> can I ask a question that might make sense? Yeah, Matt, I got a science question for you that I, I read about today, and I don't know if it's true. The thing is, I couldn't Thank find you out for getting us off the hook theologically. Oh, there, I know. We were about to. We didn't have any damn idea what we were talking. <laughs> about. I know. I know. Call your pastor. Ask them, guys. Yeah, um, don't ask me. Let's... Okay, so I. I saw this post on Facebook. I don't know if it was an ad. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting ads now. Y'all get those too on Facebook? Like they're actual just oh, commercials. It just pisses yeah. me off. How could they do that to us? Anyway, so I thought this one was really interesting, man. Since you're, you're an audio guy, science guy, ads. Um, I couldn't sick. find out if this is a real product or not. I couldn't find out if this is uh, if it's real. I don't know if this is is possible. So it's called Silent Partner Noise Canceling Snore Device. Okay, and so here's what it looks like. Basically, you know those little white things uh, that you put on your nose mm-hmm. to help you breathe better at night yep. or whatever? It's like a little strip. I well, sure it's do. It's kind of the shape of that, but it's electronic. Okay. And you put it on each side of your nostril. Right. And then basically what I think it does is it picks up the audio sound waves from your snoring, 
and then it sends out a another audio thing that uh, wave that basically cancels the noise. You can do that with phase, mm-hmm. right? Is that right? It's called phase. Yeah, Matt, you must have read that somewhere. I've never heard you use the word phase. In in, in I did not. General. I actually, I swear to the Lord of Heaven, I didn't read. <laughs> I didn't read that. I remember phase. I thought it was out of phase. Is why mm-hmm. I remember that. I'll give that credit to Aaron Kendall. But uh, so I think when some when something gets out of phase, you can't hear whatever. But is that possible? Is that a real product that could actually take the sound from your nose and then send out another signal to where your ears don't hear the snoring? Well, how in depth of an answer do you want? Well, do you want a yes or no, or do you want an explanation? Well, the first question I like to know is, is: is it possible? And if so, a short answer from that. Well, it is. Um, it's possible, but in in the some sense, in that phase cancellation is is a is true. So, if you have a certain sound that has a pure waveform, and you sent another waveform that was exactly out of phase or opposite with it, it would cancel out that wave or sound. Exactly, if it was perfect. So you could imagine if there was two big waves in a pond and they were approaching each other and one was bigger than the other, the bigger one would overpower the smaller one, for instance. If they were exactly the same size, those those waves would level out in the pond. Okay. Does that make sense? I think so. It's because they're 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 counter to each other. So if you have you know, waves basically they they just cancel each other out in a phys- in a very physical sense. So the same thing happens in um, audio moving through the air because it works basically exactly. It's a physical wave in a physical medium, just like waves in a pond. So um, two waves cancel each other out. So yes, but only so much as you could theoretically generate an exact opposite wave. So when you talk about noise canceling stuff like on airplanes and the he- headphones, for instance, that is because that exact sound that it's coming from the engine noise of the plane is pu- is almost purely consistent. It's an exact background hum that's very, very steady. Therefore, you can generate an opposite wave to cancel it out. So things that you can't... Uh, you could even take a waveform like in Pro Tools of a guitar recording, and if you took the whole entire real waveform and then inverted it and put it on top of it on a separate track, you would hear nothing coming out of the speakers. But the problem is in real time, trying to cancel out another sound that's coming, how do you generate the exact sound? So snoring isn't purely a consistent sound. So there is an element of snoring that is consistent, like it, predictable, you could say, but there's many peaks and valleys and when does it start and when does it stop and is there an attack at the beginning of the snore that would be hard to you know, predict or ca- to, in order to cancel out. So that that's what you would need is you'd be out, you know, I'd be surprised that it worked perfectly, but I would, it sounds totally reasonable that you could reduce a lot of the bass parts of the snoring that are the consistent, you know, rumbly sound or the groany, the, 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 those parts of the, of the snore theoretically could be canceled out pretty easily, but it wouldn't be silent because it's too inconsistent. So it'd be quieter. Yes. You okay. could certainly reduce parts of it. Like certain random parts of a snore wouldn't be canceled. Not at all because they wouldn't be able to be. Uh, generated um, in real time, predictably. Joey. <laughs> well, it is an Indiegogo, so you can go check it out. Silent Partner, it's an Indiegogo, and it quiets snoring noise like magic. I mean, so haven't you heard those it. crazy snores? Like, you know, here's the problem is the worst snores in the world are the inconsistent ones. Right. right? If you if somebody snored and it went... Yeah. Then, then that's what actually makes it even worse. So those parts would still remain, whereas if somebody snored... That actually doesn't even bother you that bad. Right. So I'd be interested to see how it plays out. But that's the idea. You could cancel the consistent parts and not the inconsistent parts. 
Maybe you could also just create a little speaker that, yeah, just makes it nor- straight. Like somebody's going, <laughs> you just make a thing. Yeah. Like if you could turn the snore into white noise, wouldn't that be amazing? That would be really cool. Well, I mean, that's the idea of making white noise louder than the snore does the, does the trick there. Well, I don't know. If you've ever slept in a room with Joey Svensson. Joey's is pretty bad it. sometimes. Not Joel Green's probably the worst I've ever heard. Who's worst I've ever name? heard is Larry James. He was from my high school. I love the <laughs> you guy. You to say his last name and everything. <laughs> well, I'm, I, he probably didn't live, but he, Screw you, Larry. <laughs> no, it's amazing. I promise. Larry stayed in my uh, dorm room two nights. First night, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was really bad. The second night, it got so bad, and I hadn't had sleep and for the second night that I literally was laying there. I never heard sounds like it. Was, every single snore was different. Every breathe-in was different sound. It was not the same. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I don't know why I didn't get earplugs. It was stupid of me. There wasn't white noise back then. Either. They didn't have noise makers. I didn't have a best, cell man. phone but uh, to make noise. So uh, I literally lay there, and I promise. I know this sounds like I'm, I'm lying. I'm telling them 100% truth. I started crying. <laughs> I just started crying. I was like, I just want to sleep. I'm so tired. I had to wake up, take a test. I was, and I was just so sad. So snoring has brought me to tears. Yeah. Now I snore a little bit, but my wife, it never bothers her. I think she just, when she goes out, she's just out and it doesn't matter. So, it's so Matt, you said I snore a lot. I heard you snoring before, but also you usually travel with a pretty extreme white noise maker too. So that yeah. at least makes up. For That's it. a great app, man. That's no one app. travels with white, uh, white noise makers more than Devin Shelton and his wife oh, Megan Shelton. That, yeah. They they have the big they, oh, It's not like an app on their phone. They no, it's like a big devices. big boys. They bring the big guns. Like, like Megan like came a out road case. And Megan stuff. came out on tour, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. We're right. We're in our bus. On tour, and the bus is... She brought a noisemaker on the bus and turned it on. Two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, let's get out of here. Let's take a break. You know, we've always been told reading is super important, but the fact of the matter is, for a lot of us, we're either too tired to actually hold that book and flip through the pages. Some people, they're driving, and we sure as heck don't want them to be reading a book on the road. There's times when you're cooking and you can't really be holding a book, man, but you still want to be reading and there's a solution. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Audible, baby. It's It's, the number one thing that I use, especially because, as you know, I'm in a band that the number one thing we do is drive. Right. And I'm driving that bus. I wake up early. Everybody's asleep. And I drive our big rig. And the thing that I love doing, listen to books. Yeah. I, I just love listening. First of all, Audible has great people who read these books i mean they make it so engaging so awesome it really does bring the book to 180,000 books yeah to it, feels, it, it literally feels like a movie's happening in my mind like that it's just so cool it brings the book to life my mind just starts to really grasp the story and just get it, it is such an awesome awesome site so we want to send all of our listeners there you need to go there it's audible for audible podcast.com forward slash bc pod and here here's here's what we want you to do is if you're not sure about this, try a free audio book of your choice, man. There's no risk there. You go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash BC pod, get your free book. Try it out. Yeah, my favorite is I, I'm a huge science fiction horror book reader, and I love like listening to a Stephen King book. It yeah. just gets so spooky and creepy yeah. and good. Oh, man, I love it. Don't miss out. Go right now. Go to Audible. Check it out. Audiblepodcast.com forward slash BC pod. Give those eyes a break. 
Well, guys, today's music sponsor is an Australian band. Good day, mate. Throw another shrimp in a movie. <laughs> and they're a band called One Kingdom. I guess they get that all the time from Americans. Sorry, One Kingdom. Their new record, Science of Change, just came out last week. Let's check out the song, I Find It. That was Affiance by One Kingdom off their brand new record, Science of Change. Matt's going to love that. You can buy that record on iTunes or in the Google Play Store. You can also go listen to the entire record and check out their merch at onekingdomrock.bandcamp.com. Go check them out. These guys are from down under, but they get down if you know what I'm saying, Joey. Heck yeah, I know what you're saying. Michael speaking. Hey, Michael, how's it going? This is Matt from Bad Christian. We got have we got Aaron? We can talk to today. Oh my goodness, Grace! I'm so sorry, man. No problem. Uh, I totally forgot about this whole thing, I and mean, that we've been the worst on scheduling. That's all right. I don't know. I'm actually trying to find Aaron right now. Okay. Um, and you know, neither of us have a Skype account. <laughs> no problem. We can do it over um, phone. It's no problem at all. Totally fine. Not a big deal. So if you can okay, find cool. that guy, that's that's yeah. that's most of the problem. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he uh, he's run off. With no way to contact him, I'm right. literally looking for him right now. Okay, well if if you find we can you can just call us back or text me if you find him in the next thirty minutes. Yeah, I'll um I'll let you know. All right, sounds All right. good. I'm sorry, sorry about this. The legend continues. Mm-hmm. All right, well let's keep going. I, I kind of like keeping this in, letting people hear the back end, the backstory. All right, well this is a first. What's the first? First we're what? Gonna, we're gonna. Go ahead and do the end before the guest, but we'll probably cut the guest back in. So right now you've just heard Aaron Weiss. Or not. Although we didn't hear him. <laughs> or not. Yeah. Yeah. Or not, but let's just roll with it. He is a old time friend and he is hard to get a hold of. That he is, that, man. that that dude, is the that? legends, the stories that have been told about him. It it's it's basically uh, I think I know the problem. What is it? Brownish spider, brownish leaf. Confirms <laughs> <laughs> my deepest doubt. Do you are you excited to have Aaron Weiss on here because your voices sound the most similar? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the guy. As far as music's concerned, I don't know him. Y'all are the ones that met him. I have not, but I think his music is incredible. I remember. Here's my take on me without you is listening to their first album. I was like, man, I don't, I just, I don't get this. It's kind of good, but I can't put my finger on why I just don't love it. Then you go to a live show and you're like, aha, I get it. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is unbelievable. Like that's so weird. But what'll be really cool is if he never calls back, and this is just a standalone episode. Yeah, we just we, rolled right on through. <laughs> this the is Aaron the Weiss Phantom, episode. the Phantom interview, <laughs> the, the the fake. Hashtag fake Aaron Weiss interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, this proves that we tried. You know, it ain't. I mean, we've yeah. had him scheduled like, I don't know, 
four or five times. And then if if we miss him and we roll with this phantom thing here, which or maybe we cut out because we got him, but when we did finally call him, it was just his tour manager. And when he answered the phone finally, he said, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I have no idea where he is and no way to contact him. Because Aaron doesn't even have a phone, I don't suppose. So it's not been easy. <laughs> is, uh, that's a good question. Somebody was mentioning that the other day, like not – uh, having a, a social media account, not being on Facebook, not having a computer, not having a phone, not watching Fox News or CNN, all that is that good or bad? Like, what do y'all actually think about that? Not like, watching, what, like, yeah, just just staying unplugged. Is that a good thing in this day and age? Well, Priscilla and I have been so ridiculously unplugged about current events. I think we have started to feel, dare I say, convicted about it because we just don't know anything that's going on. Like. So you actually are feeling bad about not knowing yeah. about the world. Yeah, almost kind of irresponsible. But like, that's what I'm saying. Is it bad, though? Both. Is it's, it bad? Not, I don't know. Well, it's only bad it, uh, it, you know, if you're not consistent to some degree. Or like if, if you live in the woods and in dumpsters and all over kind of places, then that's consistent for you to not know. But if you live in the city and are interacting with other people all day, every day, and doing stuff that's you know, within the normal realm of culture, then you probably have, it probably, I'm not saying it's morally wrong, but it only makes sense that you would have the ability to understand what Syria is or, you know, who, who that Obama character is that might be, you know, okay. That's a good point. Well, uh, That's right. a good point. Yeah. What if, um, what if I say something about France and Toby's like, what happened to France? Right, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't make time. sense. That can't be helped. No, it's not. But if Toby lived in the, the mountains of Canada and was chopping wood, it would be totally fine. Yeah. That, that's a good point. What your lifestyle looks like maybe dictates that. But I'm just saying, for example, maybe Aaron is the type of guy that just only wants to meet face-to-face. Because I know yeah. he has. he's a, a guy that cares about community and relationships and fellowship and helping people and, you know, He's definitely eccentric, but that's probably endearing qual- one of his most endearing qualities. But I do wonder, like I've thought about that before. People say, you know, limit uh, iPad time or games or TV for your kids and stuff Limiting like that. Limiting it, yeah. And, and I know, but I'm just saying, what is the limit? Like, oh, they only get 10 minutes or they only get one hour or five hours, 10 hours. And I was thinking about today, my parents didn't limit anything. Like it, it, when we were out for summer, we basically watched ourselves and we could watch as much TV as we wanted. In fact, I think they probably preferred that we watch TV and didn't go outside and particularly get hurt. <laughs> and I was thinking, and, and, my first thought was, and my first thought was, oh, well, I turned out fine. And I was like, oh, he, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't turn out fine. Wait a minute. I'm sometimes lazy. I want to lay around and watch TV sometimes. I mean, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. So I've been thinking, uh, this morning I was sick and I let our kids watch maybe two hours of TV. Like they get up, they got up at five thirty and they were still watching TV. I mean, there was some a little bit of time here and there for breakfast or putting on clothes and stuff like that. But it was probably two hours of TV this morning until seven thirty when finally we turned it off and I was like, "We get, let's go do something else or whatever." But I was feeling bad. Right. I was using that as an excuse, but I mean, still like, I mean, I guess that is bad. But at the same time, I tried to watch educational TV shows about like zoo animals. Uh, yeah, but I think <laughs> I, I think it depends on it depends on how often that happens. Obviously, there's a time for splurging. I mean, we're you know, people splurge on Thanksgiving and they eat a bunch of turkey and dressing and pie and all that stuff. So obviously there's got to be times when you splurge with TV as well. It doesn't so. matter. I mean, that stuff doesn't matter. The, you, the parenting thing's way overthought. I mean, you have some huge responsibilities. You're right. Kids don't matter. Kids don't matter. You are right, Matt. We bring the kids into the world and just let them fend for themselves. I like it. Okay. I like it. Screw my kids. Right. 
Okay, so it doesn't matter because you have some huge responsibilities as a parent, but the what the the degree that you obsess over those things are not the important ones. I mean, I really don't think it's a bad at all to look at it as if you know the thing. There's people, so many people that obsess over stuff like that, and their kids wind up getting abused or molested or don't feel connected to their parent for whatever reason. Like where right. I mean, there's tons of, of of ones that go that make their kids do this lesson and that lesson and this rule, and they go to this and they make sure they're in you know getting stimulated by this and they're in getting socialized at this level, or whatever. Where the, the basic connection from the parent to the kid is not even good. And so yeah. if you can keep your kids safe and your kid likes you even after it's an adult. Then that's yeah. really, really good. That's really, yeah. really good. Well, and in fact, rare. I, I don't so know, I cannot man. buy into you tell me three hours is bad or ten minutes is bad on something like a screen. No. Okay. You're missing I, it. You're missing it. You're missing it. A, a, a kid needs to be safe, protected, in good relationship with their parent throughout their life. That is a huge win that almost never happens. So stop obsessing about the what at what level they do this and what type of school and that this kind of crap. That's I actually silly. do I actually do agree with the premise of what you're saying, but I, here's what I'm trying to understand and I'm not trying to push back. I'm trying to go with you and I want to understand because this is interesting to me. You said that it's really hard for a kid to turn into an adult liking their parents. I I see that being the complete opposite like there's like little girls for example that grew up with an abusive father and they love their dad, and it's like, man, that's so crazy that that bond between. Now you know what kid. I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you go around and talk to people, people are honest. They have this massive issues with their families a lot. I'm and first of all, I'm not talking about the people in your community group because those those are the people that are most like you in the world, and you have a good family. So it's no wonder people with good families are often around people with other good families. But by and large, yeah. in society, in all of America. There's not fathers there. There's not thing. There's so. I mean, the broken broken families is more the norm. So don't worry so much about screens. You're picking hairs there. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. That stuff. You know, it's it's it's. There's so many people that aren't close with their their parents. I mean, Toby doesn't even identify as really close with his parents. Or the don't th- they, talk about my. Do you know what I mean? Parent. Like I'm not saying. You know what I mean? Like they <laughs> they. But it wasn't because you watch too much TV in the summer. I mean, that's not. That's not the issue. That people people are codependent with their parents. Parents are abusive. Parents are not present. Parents are absent. That's what. Don't do those things. Don't mess your kids up. Don't worry about if they don't get socialized properly at level X, Y, and Z. That doesn't. That's not the thing to focus on. Matt, man, you're on fire. So should not I, having a guest yet has made Matt turn into like a serious serious person that wants to give some but truth. don't but don't you think that if you <laughs> if you have an adult kid who respects his parents and can talk to them and have a healthy relationship period that is great 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 success that's a that's an a in parenting that's it that's an a it has, i mean that's that's all it's not a matter of when did they learn their abcs and how much screen time did they get or how close did they get to the microwave forget it yeah Okay, normally I save this for Joey, but Matt, could you shut the hell up so we can get to the news? <laughs> Good God. Okay, you're on fire. We get it. You reserved the F word for me. Matt gets it's hell. The, the pastor of my church <laughs> is the only person that gets me to say the F word. Or each. He gets each shit quite often from you. It really, it's unbelievable, Joey. I'm really going to go work at another church where I'm respected. I doubt that's true. All right. <laughs> Matt, kick the music. Yeah, kick that beat. Rolling. Oh, we're rolling. Well, let me just say this. In a world where frogs and toads look very similar because of the excess drugs that you are letting in your life like Toby, this is Joey Spencer 
and here's the damn news, and I'm taking shit over. And listen here, my you're friend. You're not taking anything over. Yes, I am. No, you're over. You're done. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, Toby, why would you do that? I'm sick. You I have to see you do that. Nobody uses that word anyway. You pooted. <laughs> I haven't said pooted probably since I was 12. <laughs> That's unbelievable. You, my friend, pooted, and I'm taking over the news. Thursday, and look. You're not taking over I, the news. Wait a second. I want you to tell Matt what I have in front of me. Your belly. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing in front of me. This just shows the natural ease that I can give a news story. Did Virgil say, hey, it's adult size, but you do have dicky doo disease? <laughs> You know what dicky do disease is? I know. <laughs> yeah. What is it? It's when your uh, belly sticks out farther than your dicky do. Your dicky do. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Thursday night we no. will be. Thursday night. No. We, Thursday <laughs> night we will be closing a chapter <clears throat> in history as number four walks onto Lambeau Field to retire that number. Through the years, we have seen this relational. He's making this up all reconciliation, the anything. Reconciliation take place between the Green Bay Packers and the superstar Iron Man, Brett Favre. This whole thing started back in 2007 when Brett Favre announced his retirement. And within a month or two, he actually... <laughs> <laughs> within a month or all two. All right. Okay. Made it right past the editor. Well, I have an interesting bit of news today that I thought was fun, and it came from watching TV with my kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. The show we were watching on Netflix is called Zoo Clues. Not Zoo not Clues. Blues, not Blues Clues. Oh, my gosh. So there's, like, animals? Is Zoo Clues. The animals give you the clues? So they said this, and I Do was like... Do the animals give them the clues, Toby? No, they don't. Toby Please. does the animal. <laughs> Please less Zatataterfall, yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> Too much. Batatutata. Stop taking so much of this. Less, you need, you, don't <laughs> take it to you. Do not take don't a thousand milligrams. Can you please try talk to, in tongues on your own in your private, in your prayer closet? <laughs> Joey, please speak that's in tongues Joey, I think you may be closet. leading people astray. We talked to Aaron Lunsford last week, and he listened to the episode a couple of weeks ago when we talked about your depression when you were super up. And then we got done talking, he's like, hey, on that episode two weeks ago, was Joey high? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, no, he was just being a goofball. We let him do it from time to time instead of it, take it out. I said, normally I would have started the episode over and said, let's figure this out. I said, let's just roll with it. He goes, I swear, I think he had to be on drugs or high. I would never, that's the only thing I would uh, think funny. about a person acting that way. And he knows you. Yeah. yeah. And you're proving him right. Right. So you're, I mean, you're causing people to just assume that you are a high idiot. Half the time. When you, you know what? I'm okay with that. You're I on bath salts, that. people assume. Do you take bath salts? That is funny that you say that. Though. That's hilarious. Like the pronouncing uh, drugs that people take these days is like speaking in tongues. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Like nobody knows what they're saying. Yeah. In the Old Testament, I mean, when they were speaking in tongues, they were saying you. acetaminophen and <laughs> the ibuprofen. antidepressant that I'm on. I don't know what it's called. I know. I can't imagine you ever will know any of them. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> even if you could say it correctly, it just it seems crazy. Anyway, so I do know that when I get God them, in heaven, I do know Father deliver us. When I get them, it's kind of a scary. It seems somewhat of a dangerous area of the neighborhood where I get them. And what's crazy is there's never a label on the bottles anymore. <laughs> And the what, person that what's the pharmacist name? Huh? What's the pharmacist name that you go to? Uh, Black Knight. What? 
His name is Black Knight. It's a dude that dresses all in black. Okay. And he had yeah, and he comes up to me and there's like a paper bag and he gives it to me and I don't and, think you're going to a pharmacy. That's not a pharmacy. It seems like the prices have gone up big okay, time. Let, okay, I'm interested. And I'm telling you if I'm not only happy, I'm seeing cartoons. All right, too. good news. Good news. And we're going to keep this in real time here. It looks like we have Aaron Weiss on the phone after all. So I'm going to interrupt Woo! whatever yeah. it is that Joey's doing right now and see if we can't just I called upon the Lord to make you stop, and the Lord delivered Aaron Weiss into our hands. We're going to just try and do this real time. People get to see how the sausage is made here. I'm going to hit the add All button, right. and we're going to see it. what happens. I'm hungry. So just roll with it. See if this works. Let's see. The suspense is killing me. I hope it'll last. I hope it kills you. I hope your suspense kills you. Your fat around your heart <laughs> is killing you. Aaron. 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 You hear us, don't you? I hear I hear somebody. This is Matt, All your right. old buddy Matt. You remember me? Hey, Matt. <laughs> I do remember you. Of course I remember you. I even remember your, your parents. This is your old buddy, Toby. Do you remember me? No, it doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> no, you're right. You came you up. still got remember it. Back, you still got that it. That was what you said. You remember my parents. We went and you parked your old shuttle bus up at, at my parents' house when we on the in 2004 up there when we, when, when we were on tour, didn't we? That's right. They had just read the Da Vinci Code, or at least that's what that's what they were talking about. <laughs> Sounds about right. I wouldn't have remembered that. Oh my god! They had stirred things up quite a bit. Wait a minute. What's this? Jesus was married. Well, who knows? Maybe he was. <laughs> that's what my mom said. Aaron, this is Joey, man. Good to meet you. I'm a big fan. Hi, I'm Joey. Com- I'm coming to you from a fan perspective. I can't call you friend right now, but I hope by the end of this episode that I can call you friend and that you'd return that favor. Well, you already have my permission. I don't know how accurate <laughs> it would be. But. All right, so what? why do we have trouble tracking you down so long to get this interview done? And even today, how come we couldn't get a hold of you? I blame you guys. Oh. Yeah, completely. Oh. It's just totally on your end. Well, I've been here waiting and uh, and counting the minutes. What forms of technology do you own? Do you own a phone or a computer or anything like that? I I own a computer, yes, not a phone. Well, that's good. Wow. Yeah, but I'm borrowing uh, Mike Omquist, our manager. Mike has a phone and a computer, so he he parted with his phone for for a little bit to let me talk to you guys. So thank you, Mike. He's within your shot. Right on. Well, that's interesting. We were just talking about that. Do you not have a phone on purpose, or you just can't pay your bill? <laughs> uh, it's probably a little of both. I, oh, I've really? never had a I never had one, so it, it never became normal for me, and so I never had yeah. the feeling of needing one. And then I have gone through little stretches of time where I borrowed someone's phone, and it always struck me as more of a burden than um, than anything else. Although I, I do obviously recognize times that it's very useful and even <clears throat> sometimes seems downright necessary um, because I'm always surrounded by other people with phones. If there ever were an emergency, I be pretty confident that someone could call for help or that's true you know the times that i really need to use a phone these guys are pretty gracious and letting me borrow it but then uh, my I, I recently got married about a year and a half ago and my wife has a phone so i kind of have one by virtue of that but she's not with us on tour right now so that's why i couldn't give you her number yeah 
Well, you know, that's one item of Aaron Weiss lore that we can confirm is that you don't have a phone. And uh, we know you pretty good, so we're gonna, we could, if you don't mind, let's have a good time. Let's try to parse through some of the urban legend that is Aaron Weiss. Can we do that? Sure. <laughs> because whenever, whenever I talk about Aaron Weiss somewhere, somebody will say, is it true that? And then there's like a fill in the blank kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. Totally. Say, yeah, I know the guy. Sure. And half the time I'm like, I don't think that's true. And then sometimes like, yep, I was there for that. And sometimes it's. Maybe that is true. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or what's the new, the Han Solo line from the new Star Wars trailer? It's true, all of it. I'm probably misquoting it, but that, these guys it's are true, all of it. Star Wars. That's the first <laughs> thing in my brain. The, the number one biggest thing is that people would always say, man, me without you, Aaron, he eats out of trash cans, and that's all he does. That's how he gets all his food. Is that true? No. But it's not entirely false. I, I, I think uh, I've gone in waves with it where they're, times when i would try to have an exclusively trash diet and i think i did a pretty good job with it so that was maybe a couple of years where it was the vast vast majority i was never strict as if you know i couldn't buy food or would totally refuse but it just didn't make sense to me to go out and you know spend money or uh use up resources when i felt like i could uh get it for free and Mm -hmm. use something that was going to go to waste and I still stand by that, although I, I think I've just gotten lazier with it. So these days, um, I find myself probably buying more food than I trash pick. And, um, you know, it, it kind of goes in seasons. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's it's not entirely unfounded that people would think that because I, I still do like the trash pick. It's just not quite um, as high a priority for me these days. Mm-hmm. And when you trash pick, though, I, I mean, that isn't as crazy. I don't think that's actually as crazy. Back then, I think you guys honestly might have been a little ahead of the of the curve a little bit because now I I think it's actually kind of caught on a little bit more only because we're not talking about rotted meat and and junk with coffee grounds and all this terrible stuff. I mean you're eating food that's edible and just give me some examples. It's going to go to waste. Well, like you'd probably easily if there was a styrofoam container with two chicken nuggets and one half eaten, you would eat the chicken nuggets. Or I would definitely eat the chicken nuggets, and I would consider on the half eaten one, depending on circumstances. I, I might go for it. Sure. Yeah, I think I think the idea of, of sickness and disease is blown out. Like we were walking around, uh, it was really funny. We were walking around. We were at a show in a, our show in Atlanta, and we were leaving the varsity. And I, I had a drink in my hand, and I was walking down the road. And I was like, "Man, I don't really want this drink. Maybe I'll throw it away." And all of a sudden, a guy walks up to me and goes, "Can I have your drink?" I was like, "Sure." And I get it. He just started drinking it right there, and I was like, "Oh, I was like, huh? Would I have done that? I mean, he doesn't know me. What if huh. I'm sick or something?" I was like. I, Honestly, probably it's a really low chance. <laughs> That's what everybody says happens. is knowing people. I don't think your acquaintance level determines the germ transfer. Is the thing. <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying I, I would just say he didn't know me at all, and so, but, but even so, most people you're probably fine with a little of their saliva. Of course, you probably get way, way worse all it over. Doesn't do with whether you know them is all I'm saying. It's hard to know. That is the uh, generally the first objection that is raised. I've never had a convincing counter argument or, or been totally confident that what I'm doing is healthy uh, or that, that I would you know advise anyone else to do it, especially if they had a, a weak immune system or something like right. that. But uh, I've, I've also heard things to the contrary, that sheltering yourself too much and staying away from germs too much and living a True. kind of too uh, hygienic and sterilized kind of life can actually, yeah, maybe it's weakening your immune system or uh, just create a higher risk in some other ways medically. It's something I, I've never looked into seriously enough to... Um, just to really feel confident that what I'm doing is smart, but it's still just uh, maybe just an old habit, but I still enjoy it. Plus I have a pretty strict uh, vegan diet as far as any food that I would 
um, buy or that I, any market I would support. I don't buy or consume any animal products that are not going to waste. But if it was so going to waste, you would. You call that freegan? Some people call that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I never had a name for it, but I, I think that does speak to your earlier point that it's something that has caught on. Sure. Uh, in the in the broader public, that there are these terms that are kind of recognizable. That oh, the, oh, you're a freegan then, or oh, so you must be a dumpster diver, and those. And those are just terms that I didn't know existed. Maybe they didn't exist when I first started doing it, but a few of us just started talking about it. I was a strict vegan when I was coming out of high school. And a few years after that is when my, uh, my friends and I, we went on a trip together and started talking about this hypothetically. Well, would you eat animal products that they were being thrown away? Would you take a hamburger from the trash? Um, if not, why not? What are your motivations for being vegan? And at the time, for, for me, it was entirely a matter of um, animal rights and boycotting factory farming and the oppression of and, and harm of animals. I had nothing to do with the, you know, what I put into my body in terms of health purposes or any sense of the spiritual, potentially spiritual significance of eating dead flesh or anything like that. It was just about boycotting the industry. Um, so it made perfect sense to me to um, consume animal products if I was not supporting that industry and was not doing any harm to animals. And in mm -hmm. fact, I, the way I reasoned it was I would actually be minimizing harm to the environment in general by um, ceasing to uh, consume more resources than would be necessary for me to live. You guys definitely had an influence on us. Since knowing you guys, for sure, we have increased when we're at restaurants and people leave food on the table, we'll definitely go over and grab anything left. I'll do left. That. That, that, that. That's true. We really, well, we, we really, we really do. We also spent time being vegetarian just after meeting, after meeting and being influenced yeah. by you guys after our first tour. I, I spent six months and Toby may yeah, have spent longer months. than that or four months, something like that. You know, very eye opening thing to be around somebody like you, you guys. Um, what about homelessness? Have you spent time being what most people would consider homeless? Mm, no, I would like, I would sure like to be able to say yes, just for my, because I think it would make it would almost cast me in a in a higher light uh, morally or in terms of my adventurousness. But I think I've always been um, been pretty well sheltered and pretty safe. And uh, there's times that I've kind of tried to step out beyond um, the comforts of yeah having a house and a bed and you know spending the night outside. Mostly, which is what ended up looking like urban camping or kind of sporadic squatting in abandoned houses in Philadelphia, of which there are tens of thousands. Um, so I, uh, have done some of that mm -hmm. kind of dip my toe in the water of what I thought it might've felt like to be homeless for a, a day here and there, but that's of course, nothing at all. Like what it actually looks like for many, many, many people to, to live homeless year round and not have sure. an escape route. Like a, a, a kind of backdoor exit the way I did. As soon as I felt too cold, I could always go back to my mom's house or I could go I to any number of my friend's houses. But one thing is true is that I never have gone and, um, well, this is, and this is something that's more probably embarrassing than anything else, but at 36 years old, I've never really gone out and lived on my own and had a lease and, uh, or bought a house that I lived in and had a place that I call my own outside of my mom, my mother's house. Or now that my, now that I'm married, we've spent some time at her parents' house and I'm just a firm believer in the idea of, of different generations living together. And so I, in a sense, I'm trying to recast the living with your mother kind of dynamic as a point of pride rather than a stigmatized kind of relationship. So uh, I'm sticking to that. So basically I'm 36, I'm married and I live with my mom. <laughs> no, I like it. Okay. Man. I got one more unless some, I think there's some more legends out there, but here's another one. Have you ever 
uh, drank half of a Snapple bottle full of urine backstage <laughs> at a venue in Fresno uh, in 2004 while I was sitting in the room. Well, it's tough to deny that one. Um, I think the, I think it was for five dollars. It's built right into the question, but for the record, it was ten dollars. <laughs> okay, okay, um, okay. Probably the worst ten dollars I've ever earned. But uh, you, you, I think it was also <laughs> it was more than half of a Snapple bottle. My guess is it was closer to ten or twelve ounces. It was definitely urine, and I did throw up. But it was not um, a kind of natural gag reflex. I drank it down all in one shot. And barely tasted it. it. had a bit of a salty flavor, but wasn't too unpleasant. But what struck me was afterward, there was someone at the venue who was working there was telling me it was dangerous to have to to consume another human being's urine. So then I started to worry. I thought I've always heard it's safe to drink your own urine, but right. here I've drank I've drank someone else's, and so maybe I shouldn't have that in my body. So I just made myself throw up and induced the vomiting by just putting my finger down my throat just to get rid of the stuff. But, um, that, and that did not invalidate the, the payment. So the net effect of the whole encounter was that I, uh, made 10 bucks and I didn't have to keep the urine in my system. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to move on to a few things. Uh, you guys, I remember, I think the first time I saw you and Matt, we had just moved to Seattle. And you guys were on tour with Norma Jean and Beloved, and was that the was that the first time, Matt? I think so. The, I think the place was called Vera. That's the first Project. time we saw them. Right? I can't believe I remember yep, that. That's right. But uh, and I remember just seeing you guys and just being totally blown away. And at that time, were, were we even signed, Matt? I don't even know if we. Yeah, I don't think we were signed. Nope, we were just we seriously were just dudes trying to do a band and just trying to figure it out. And I remember just thinking. This is the coolest band I've ever seen in my life. Like, I just thought the way you guys looked, you were dressed awesome. You had all these flowers. I think there might have been roses then, or I forget what they were. You were smashing them around and dancing around, and the way you just carried yourself on stage and everything, it was just so cool. So your question is, what happened? Right. (laughs) So how did we we get to this lowly state that we are today? Is that no? Well, I heard. (laughs) I actually heard some of the story about why you guys kind of changed your outfits and what you did. But I I want you to you to to hear it again to see if I'm right. Well, I think there's there's probably different answers. Uh, For me, the the first one that comes to mind is just a general sense of trying to change and develop and grow and reevaluate what it is that we do over time, and that's not to to denigrate anything that um, we did in our early years or um, or to say we would never do that again. But, you know, there's only so many times you can put on the same kind of outfit and go out with the, the same stage set up and, and put on your, your same kind of show and expect it to have this, um, a similar effect or to feel as fresh and relevant and sincere. Um, and on some level, we just started to, I think, grow tired of the, effort involved in trying trying to manicure a certain look and making sure that, you know, we're coming across in this really stylish and hip and youthful way. Um, growing old is one part of that. There's only so long you can try to look right young and cool. And so um, as we've grown a little older, I think some of that emphasis on fashion has kind of fallen by the wayside. And we're more content just to wear something that feels comfortable. Uh, and, you know, then again, we, you know, I sometimes still try to put on a nice outfit, but uh, I don't think I'll ever look as good as I did in those early days. So that's like, that's a kind of a losing battle if I'm trying to look cool. I still use the flowers every now and again. And yeah, I try to, you know, still give it a lot of energy and make the shows um, more 
you know, every bit as, as engaging and passionate as they ever were. But, you know, I'm 36 now and my, my body doesn't move around quite as easily as it used to. And I get sore more easily. And so I think part of what we have to do is reevaluate what it would look like to put on a show that feels uh, intense and sincere and engaging uh, in the same way as those shows did, but in a way that's relevant to who we are today, you know, what our, our current age is, our current abilities. And I think, uh, you know, to me, it, 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 there's, there have been more ways of connecting, which usually mean like going inward and having a kind of a more mental uh, concentration and a focus on what we're doing and hopefully more um, subdued kind of intensity that could come, that could still come across. It doesn't have to do with just sort of, flopping around and flailing around and putting on a spectacle visually, but something subtler in terms of actually being in tune with, well, who's there that night and what are we saying? What is the dynamic of what we're sharing and what's going on in the world right now? And, you know, recognizing the uniqueness of that, um, of every show, of every interaction to me is more interesting than just being known as, oh, they're that band that dresses nice and it flips out with flowers. You know, well, that's cool. We you know, if you do that for 15 years, it starts to seem a little less cool, you know? Was Tooth and Nail a good fit initially? Honestly, I think Tooth and Nail was a great fit um, all the way through. Yeah. If I mean, it, I, I think they get a sort of, they've got a bad reputation from a lot of their bands. They heard a lot of people sort of dissatisfied. I, I don't know the ins and outs of those relationships, but they were always good to us. They gave us a record deal when, no one else was interested and yeah. they gave us total creative freedom. They never once tried to direct the music that we made or how we came across the people and the artwork. It was always totally in our court and they were behind us a hundred percent. So I have, I have nothing but good things to say about those guys. Now, how, about for, how about for you guys, you know, as well as I do. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I mean, they, for, for us, it was always, really easy and good on a personal and professional level. And we didn't leave ever to go to another label. I mean, in fact, I say that I, I like them and I like their label so much. I'd rather just do what, you know, everything we learn, we learn from them and those people. And so now we want to do, do it kind of ourselves independently, but we're doing the same stuff they were doing. That's they, they always did a good job and uh, they never tried to make us do anything exactly. But I will say that they would always, Brandon will always pull out the card. He's go, Hey, I just think maybe you should do this. I think it would be good. Now, hey, me without you, I never tell them what to do, and it works great. He'd always say, because you guys were like his pet project that was that he loved the music of, and it was artistic, and he was always so proud of the fact that he lets you do whatever you wanted to, regardless of if he thought it was a good idea or not. So I think that's one way he always viewed you guys as like just this herald you know, thing of just pure art. And that was validating to him to have that on, you know, in, in his roster. Yeah, certainly news to me. I, um, I, I would, I, I guess I had assumed that however he treated us was indicative of how he treated his other bands, but certainly yeah, it's not a safe assumption, but I, but I'm glad to hear that he felt good about that. And then that, 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 that trust was there. I always felt it and I've always yeah. appreciated it. I've always loved him and the label, um, for, you know, for what they did, you know, obviously so grateful for sure. what they've done for us. And we've always maintained a good relationship since we, yeah, we did go off on our own and put out our, our own album. And then we, we did our last record with another label. But, you know, even after we fulfilled our contract, I, I for one, was still in the camp of wanting to continue working with them. I, I was outvoted, but um, I certainly made that clear that I was totally satisfied and wanted to keep our, our, our working relationship. And though that didn't happen, we did keep our personal relationship. So I'm at least grateful for that. I don't know if you realize that 
sometimes we'll put out word of of who our listeners want on the podcast and it it is crazy like overwhelmingly we see your name the most and so there's going to be a lot of happy people listening to this and i think people are wondering about your faith and whether you consider yourself a christian were you ever a christian and a lot of those questions that i'm sure you're probably used to but it's one of those things we talk about a lot on this show so where are you at with all that? Sure. Well, I think, uh, Aaron, hopefully Joey asked that question well and that you feel safe here <laughs> and you're tr- you have trust with us. But, yeah, we're interested in your faith because I know you're not one for labels and, and that, that question shouldn't be interpreted as how's your walk, brother. <laughs> but just like you hear other rumors and stuff from that, I've heard that everything from you became a Muslim for a minute or you, whatever, you don't believe anymore till you do. And it doesn't even matter so much in that sense, but I am curious of what, what your Christian journey's been since in the least year since I've seen you. Yeah, what's God teaching you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys are very funny, um, and I appreciate the question. And um, I, I don't mean to answer it evasively, but it is a hard one to address because I think, well, before I even um, discuss myself, I think it's worth recognizing that it's uh, at least conceivable, if not downright obvious, that there could certainly be someone who considered themselves a Christian and yet was not or did not live in such a way that was recognizably Christ-like, uh, and also somebody who did not consider themselves or label themselves as such, but then did walk in the way of Christ. Um, so I think once we recognize that, then we say, okay, well, it's not necessarily directly tied to our sense of self-identity. That is, it whether we call ourselves a Christian or not doesn't necessarily make it so, you know, you could, you could call yourself a tiger and you don't immediately have, you know, yellow, I mean, black and orange sure. stripes. So I think it's important to recognize I, um, my hesitancy. Well, I, I guess I, I want to make clear that my hesitancy to yeah bring down a label or to declare what I am. It is not so much out of any kind of a, aversion to what those labels might represent so much as for for one thing just a basic ignorance that i don't i don't know what i am or the, all the years that i very confidently considered myself christian i always remembered that uh, well I, I i i'm not exactly living up to the ideals of what i think christ asked of us or who i think christ was or is i don't consider myself to be worthy of that kind of company so I was always a little bit reluctant, or like I'm told Kierkegaard uh, suggested, it's probably more fitting to say you're striving to be a Christian than to say that you are, as you've kind of already arrived at this place. So I try to dodge those kind of labels, not because I so much don't want people to consider me this or that, but just because if I answer honestly, I could recognize that even if I were to say I'm this or that, I might be um, mistaken, and I would rather... um, I would rather err on the side of um, not making bold claims with high um, moral um, implications. Oh, and the other, obviously, there are often negative moral implications that come with considering, considering oneself a part of a religion. If you call yourself a Christian in some contexts, you could be seen as fanatical, bigoted, homophobic, sexist, you name it. Um, same with Islam. Um, it's not necessarily a high calling in a lot of people to be in a lot of people's eyes to be a Muslim. But in terms of the meaning that I personally make out of these labels, Christian, Muslim, or, um, you know, Buddhist or Jewish for that matter, 
um, there is a, a great potential for a very lofty um, moral standard and very beautiful and um, kind of transcendent uh, type of consciousness or existence that can accompany some of the practices or ideals that those labels imply. Um, and I wouldn't want to proclaim those for myself. I'd say I'm, well, I, I once had a, a friend when I um, was at a mosque uh, and he kind of pulled me aside and said, wait a minute, what are you doing here? I thought you're Christian. Are you a Christian or a Muslim? And I said, well, I'm neither and striving to be both. And he didn't like that answer because in his mind, you had to be one or the other. Or of course you, you could be neither, but you certainly couldn't be both. And I think again, by some people's definitions, and that's true. Yeah. They are mutually exclusive terms because there are certain points of dogma that draw lines in the sand on which side somebody has to put themselves one or the other. And I simply uh, resist or ignore that kind of thinking and say, well, first and foremost, word Christian is a, just that it's a word. Uh, same with Muslim or Jesus or Muhammad or any of these sounds that we make, we're making sounds um, usually for some purpose that we have and not necessarily talking about the same thing. So when you ask about Christianity, I might interpret that term in a different way than you do. So we already have a kind of breakdown in communication, you know? Well, let's take a more personal approach instead of about the labels and all that, which I completely agree that, that what you say and the labels of it is it feels foolish and it feels like somebody's trying to put you somewhere. But on a personal level, from the stuff that I've been around you and seen with you and prayed with you and seen this and that happen, are you are you much different spiritually as an individual than last time I was on tour with you or hung out? Probably about 10 years ago since we've hung out in any depth, I'm just wondering, for instance, do you still pray with people and call out the name of Jesus and things like that? Well, that's a good question. I'd say that certainly less than I used to. Um, I became more, I've become more wary of hypocrisy and so have become reluctant to use the language and cry out and pray publicly um, when I see the... Um, lack of prayer in my own heart and the lack of faith that I was, that I've always have had. I don't think that I've um, moved away from faith in, in God or in reality or truth or love or any of the kind of basic principles that I associate with Christ and with God. But I also have become a little bit more reluctant to put my faith on display um, especially when I feel like that somebody has an agenda. You know, if someone were to approach me, for example, wanting to pray together as a means of affirming their own faith, then I would have to step back and wonder, well, what exactly is your faith? And what would I be affirming if I were to say, oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, we just ask that you would come and do X, Y, and Z for us. Well, first of all, I don't see it. Uh, I, I guess that's one respect in which my prayer life has changed. It's certainly less um, a relationship of trying to tell God what to do or asking for favors or gifts and more a matter of trying to surrender uh, and to align myself with reality as it is um, or trying to find mental clarity and stillness in my heart and to uh, imbibe or embody the, the most high qualities. Um, but certainly. Some of the old, sure, my theology has changed over the years, and it's and my faith in language has suffered 
a death blow. So that's more than anything else, um, probably the fundamental shift that has taken place where I've actively tr- not only lost my faith in language, but act- actively tried to dismantle um, what I used to trust in, in terms of what words are and what they do. And that's a long process. Even if you come to question the relationship between language and the realities that they suppose um, that they supposedly represent, we still have a lot of mental uh, haziness. I think that allows us to make sloppy um, equi- um, kind of correspondence between um, our words and reality. So, I, I, at the risk of trying, I, I don't want to be too obscure here, but what I'm trying to say is that I have changed since I've seen, since I've seen you last, I'm sure, I'm sure we both have. Um, well, I hope maybe I could take, take myself off of the, the, the hot seat and say, how about yourself? I mean, I'm doing this thing called a bad Christian podcast. And my first thought was, I, I don't want to be a bad Christian. No, your first thought is what is a podcast? It was your first That's question. The first thing. And then wait, who is Emery again? Did I, did I remember this? I think we maybe toured with them, but, um, my first thought was, I don't want to celebrate bad Christianity. I want to be, if anything, I want to be a good Christian because what Christianity means to me, it has very lofty and beautiful potential. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't want to um, embrace this kind of identity of, oh yeah, I, I just I used to be a Christian and now I screw all that and I'm now a bad Christian or a non-Christian and I just try to avoid saying things that I don't know, that saying things with authority without knowing it. And one of those things is to define who or what I am because the I, human beings just seem so complex and multifaceted that I, that I think a slapping any one title, whether it's Christian or not, or atheist or Muslim, it seems to kind of boil down something very uh, subtle and comp- complicated to like a, a soundbite, you know? Absolutely. Well, to the point of bad Christian in the title, you can just uh, for all intents and purposes, you could synonymously replace bad with striving yeah, in your language, thing. and it would be, it would be approaching yeah. the same meaning. Yeah, our goal is to hopefully not, honestly, to take the uh, hero off of people, and it would just be on Jesus. Like, we, we are failing at being good Christians, and we don't think people say that enough. So I, the striving, that's what we probably should have called ourselves, striving Christian. Uh, would be better. The title you got is more provocative. <laughs> no that. Yeah, you're exactly. Right. You're right. Do you find yourself uh, contemplating faith and God? Is that like a big thing, a part of your life, regardless of whatever religion or whatever thoughts it is? Is that something like, are you a seeker of truth? Is that your one of your biggest goals, you think? I, I sure hope so. I, I intend that. I also really like playing pinball. And sure. that has nothing to do with the, the search for truth. It's just more of a way of shutting my my mind off and getting it a real clear and singular and low stakes focus that kind of, you know, is a break from the heavier things that I have wrestled with over the years. So I, there again, I couldn't say that I, in any coherent or consistent sense, am a seeker of truth. I, at times remember that ideal and uh, it has never failed me. I've never ceased to value it. I've never, never, um, never been disappointed by uh, or, or, or found reason to doubt the claim that the truth will set us free, and I don't see any higher calling. Um, that, in correspondence with living a life of love and other lofty qualities, uh, truth is being one of the highest ideals that I know of. You know, I hope to still pursue that. I, if I had to be honest, I would, I would have to say that I've probably gotten uh, a little bit lazier. I, I'm, uh, I've been in graduate school for about 
seven years now. And that changes what, um, that has changed for me what it looks like to search for truth, where once I could turn to the scriptures or certain parables and wisdom traditions and, and confidently feel like I was growing in my understanding of truth um, in most of my academic courses. In that context, it seems like some combination of rational argument and empirical evidence is the gold standard, that those are kind of our two major inputs for truth. And I've come to respect that very deeply. That doesn't mean I've let go of the kind of mystical or uh, ecstatic experiential search for truth or the wisdom and teachings or or the faith-based pursuit of truth. But it does mean that I've, in some ways, started to focus on things that are more grounded in the tangible material world Mm -hmm. and, and in rational thought. And I've taken those about as, you know, as far as I, as far as I could to, at this point in my life, I found that, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting and interesting to search for truth in those ways. And what I try to resist is the idea that either we're going to find truth through some kind of faith tradition like Christianity, or we have to turn to science and philosophy. And that's our only means of finding truth. When we have all these faculties, whether it's our, our senses and our intellect and our emotions and our deepest, or what you might call a soul or just our sense of will and, and agency and deepest priorities and moral instinct. We have so many faculties as human beings. And my main strategy anymore in searching for what we're calling truth is to try to let all these faculties have their day in court, so to speak. Now, I want to hear from each of them. I don't want to discount any of them or to see them as mutually exclusive um, or in these kind of binary opposition. Well, either you're a person of faith or you're a person of of science and empiricism or something. I just don't see it that way. So my search for truth has expanded certainly beyond the realm of religious world, but it hasn't by any means abandoned the religious world. We don't have to be afraid of anything ever. Like we, re- we really don't like there- there's bad things in this world. There always have been, always will be, but searching for truth is never bad, whether that's in science or whatever. If you're searching for truth that, I mean, God is true. Maybe that's what kind of what you were saying, but I, I-, I kind of like that idea of, searching if if we're on a journey that that seems right like 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 you said if you've already called yourself what you are and that and you're not changing then that seems like the that seems way more dangerous than changing like like opening your mind up to some some things and and allowing god or or your faith or whatever to prove itself uh to be true is 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 okay and not not shouldn't be that scary well i i think the the temptation to um make our own search for truth or our own understanding of truth um, in a sense, above those of others to kind of, you know, to then draw these lines in the sand and place ourselves on the side of salvation or on the side of intelligence or the side of, side of sanity. Um, somehow it seems to feel good for a lot of us to have someone on the other side of that line who is not saved or who is not intelligent or is not sane the way we are, as if our virtue depended on you know, our superiority over some other group. And that's part of what I hope to resist is kind of saying that you know, here's where I am on the side that has the correct understanding of what truth is. And then other people who differ from me in the sense, it always creates this kind of oppositional worldview where there's, you know, in a sense, I agree with you that insofar as I think you're saying that the learning can stop there. If you kind of solidify yourself in a certain mold or have a certain pattern of, of thought, then you're kind of ceasing to grow or ceasing to be on that that journey. It, I, I'm not sure if I understand you correctly, but um, I felt like somehow that what you were saying was 
confirming of how I feel. So do you feel like I've understood you rightly? Uh, I think so. Basically, all I'm saying is just that just the idea of it. It shouldn't be scary to be on a journey. I don't I think it's kind of neat that the, the way you said is that you are you're you're it sounds like to me you're just saying you're on a journey. I think that's not as scary as what people listening or, you know, maybe some people that you've come in contact with have said. Well, there's an element of the unknown, of course, if you're staying somewhere. Well, it's like you asked about me being homeless earlier. I mean, there's a frightening prospect for me and I'm sure a lot of other people that on a given night, you don't know where you're going to sleep. You don't know where you're going to cook your food. You don't know where you'll end up in a month's time. And having that security of owning a house and knowing that you can pay your bills kind of allows you to put those questions aside and start to explore other aspects of your life. Whereas if you're constantly struggling just to survive, well, there's probably not a, t- a lot of time to write songs or paint pictures or pursue hobbies or other uh, passions. So I think there can be something kind of on an existential level that's, that's terrifying or dreadful even about not knowing the answer, at least for some people, to some of these really massive and important questions like, well, who am I? Where do I come from? What, how should I live? How, where am I going when I die? What, is, what happens when I die? Will I survive it? All these big kind of lofty questions that when you sit and and wonder about them can, uh, in my experience at least, can be unsettling. Um, and I think it's a trade-off of whether we're going to start with um, a clinging to certain uh, those of those uh, certainties or points of faith. Well, I know the answer to all these questions, and that is true. My understanding of God or reality is true. And then I'm going to try to find a way to make reality fit into that or worship that idea I have of truth. And I think, of course, a uh, pretty reasonable alternative to that is starting with more of an open-handed position where you don't begin with assumptions about what is true and who God is and what reality is about, but you begin with an intention to seek truth and to discover in increasing fullness what the nature of reality is and whatever aspect. And then there's less of a fear and there's less contention. You don't have to start disregarding evidence that doesn't support or that even challenges your worldview. You don't have to start seeking out like-minded people to affirm your belief. You don't have to go and listen to somebody repeat the same basic message every Sunday to remind you of what you think you're supposed to believe. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's tons of people that just operate to the contrary of seeking truth. And that's the one where you ignore evidence that if, you know, if God and all these things that I hold so tightly are up for grabs, then then truth is not what I want to know. I just want to know that what I already think is, is, is safe. Sure. So, so people do act contrary to, to that fact. I mean, we see it all the time. So, well, uh, I'll tell you what, let me um, interject a different point, um, because my, uh, at the moment, I'm backstage at a venue in Pittsburgh, and I'm hearing my band uh, play a song instrumentally uh, for a sound check that I think I'm... <laughs> that means you got to go. go. But as soon as the sound check is over, I'm going to be freed up again. So my, my suggestion is, can we just put this on pause? I'll go probably for about 15, 20 minutes at the most, and then come right back and call you guys again. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to have to do in this case. I've got other stuff and appointments and other calls and stuff. So, well, I mean, can't you just come back on again soon and do a whole nother 
episodes. Yeah, yeah. Way more okay, well, yeah, that'll work for me. I mean, maybe we, yeah, we, instead of even squeeze it in in another few minutes because our interviews don't even go this long anyway. So we'll leave all of this and we'll just do a part two. Just have you on as a recurring guest. People are going to love this anyway, and I'm enjoying catching up with you. So let's try to talk again quickly. Do you have any last words? Do you have any big statement you want to end with, like a cliffhanger? No, I don't. I don't have any. Yeah, teaser about what you were going to say. I don't have any cliffhangers. I'm just. Um, I'm just happy to talk to you guys. Happy to catch up. I have really good memories of our times together, and I have a lot of love for for you guys, and feel really, really grateful that you tracked me down. And I do apologize; it's taken us so long to hook up. I was kidding earlier when I said it was your fault. It's probably entirely on my shoulders. It's <laughs> my irresponsibility. No Today, I lost track of time, and so forgive me for that. And thank you for even wanting to talk to me and talk about such important and, and beautiful stuff. And I'm very happy to do so uh, anytime you want. If you, know, if you want to schedule another one of these, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, thanks, thanks again. Yeah, let's just do it in another week or and, two here. That's yeah, what I'm we, saying. We'll we air them both. It It'll be good. And I, I want to honestly say the same thing. We get asked all the time who's like your favorite band you've ever toured with. And I almost always say me without you. When I just think about you and Chris and Mike and Ricky, like you guys really – were just amazing people to be around and so different from, you know, we grew up in South Carolina. We come, we're brash, loud, rednecky, and like the way you guys were so we're, friendly we're to us. And loud, but without the Southern accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, we'll do this again, though. Yeah. Well, have a good sound check, Aaron. Sorry cool, to keep it. Talk to you guys. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Bye. Okay. Bye bye now. Well, it might be a long time before we get him back. Maybe we can okay. get him quickly, though. He's gonna. He doesn't know how to hang up the phone, so we're gonna get to hear the sound check. <laughs> this is awesome. We are really. We are listening to me without. He you seriously didn't know how to hang check. up the phone. He just set it down. <laughs> <laughs> he never has had a phone. Give him a break. He's never owned a phone. He thought that red button meant was yeah. like self destruct or something. Aaron, I can he- <laughs> hang up a damn phone. <laughs> Hey! All right, I, I can disconnect him here. I'm going to say, let's see if I can disconnect right. him here. That's Hang awesome. up. <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.